0: Markham, Richmond Hill, Vaughan, From everywhere you are. Aurora, Newmarket, East Willimberry. This is The Feed. Georgina, King, Whitchurch, Stovel. The Feed is York Region's only news magazine dedicated to the issues, events, and stories that matter to the people that live and work here.
1: Welcome to The Feed. I'm Ann Romer. On the show, weird and wonderful gift ideas for dad, hospitality, industry workers shortage, and the pay equity law, what you need to know. But we begin with hunger at an all-time high here in Canada. A shocking and frankly very sad report was released earlier this week by Food Banks Canada. More Canadians than ever are facing hunger and food insecurity because of rising inflation and housing costs. One in five people now reports going hungry. 23%, now that's close to a quarter of all Canadians, say that they are eating less than they should because they can't afford to buy food. Kirsten Beardsley is the CEO of Food Banks Canada. She joins us now on the feed. Thank you, Kirsten, so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. At the start of this, I mentioned that it's a shocking and sad report. Why was the report compiled in the first place?
2: Well, Food Banks Canada was looking to understand that what's ahead for food banks uh, over the summer months. So. We've been hearing from food banks across the country that times are tough. They're seeing more people coming and turning to their services. So we did this poll to see really what was the landscape out there. What could we expect in the months to come?
1: And pretty startling information that 7 million Canadians at one point or another between March 2020 and March 2022 went hungry. I mean, this is Canada. This is 2022. How can that happen, Kirsten?
2: It's shocking, um, and what I want people to remember is that you know sometimes you see the big number and you forget that these are individual people. Yeah. So this is um, this is your neighbor, this is people at your kid's school, this is people you know who are just we call them impossible choices. So they're facing these impossible choices of do I pay my rent? Do I put gas in my car so I can get to work? Do I feed my kids? And that's. It's shocking. Even, even those of us in this industry are really shocked to hear that this number of people are struggling to make ends meet.
1: And why are people running out of money to buy food?
2: So I think we've all felt it. Um, the rising costs around essentials like food, like gas, utilities, and especially rent. Um, are really putting people in a precarious position. So, you know, prior to the pandemic, what we heard from people using food banks that it was, you know, a job loss or, you know, low-income, inconsistent income that was really driving people um, to use the food bank. And now what we're hearing is that it's the cost of living. So not being able to stretch your dollars to meet the cost of of essentials is what's driving people to use food banks and other community supports.
1: And there's been quite an influx of of people visiting food banks, and it's risen 25% in some regions. That's a pretty shocking number.
2: Yeah, that number really is the number of people who are using food banks for the first time. So we're seeing all, you know, food bank use increase across the country, but that's a heartbreaking number. Those are people who have never had to turn to a food bank before. It's not an easy thing to to, to go to a food bank. And we hear stories of parents who will skip meals so their kids can eat, you know, you borrow food, or borrow money or food from family and friends, and then you turn to the food bank. And so... It's really hard to think of that many people being um, in the position to make that difficult choice, although I always like to remind folks that that's why we're here. And if you are in that position, please reach out. Um that's what that's what we do, um and we'll be happy to welcome you. But yeah, it's hard to it's hard to conceive of just the number of people who are struggling across the country
1: and talk to us about psychologically, and emotionally, what it must be like for a first-time client to use a food bank.
2: It's not easy um to to even some in some ways admit that you are in a position to require help. But I also, just as I said, there is no there is um great courage in asking for help. This is why food banks were set up um forty one years ago in this country. And you know, we are here. To, to provide the support and to provide you with the food you need. So uh, please, if you are in a position, um, contact your local food bank. They're there to support you.
1: There was a headline this week, fears of a global food crisis escalating as Ukraine struggles to export millions of tons of grain through its blockaded ports. I mean, that's just adding insult to injury to hungry Canadians.
2: True, you know, what? it's not just the number of people in need, but I've been looking at this, some of what's going on around the world. I think this is maybe one of the toughest, if not the toughest time to be in food banking. And when we see costs rising, it's not just that there are more people in a community that are turning to a food bank for help, but it's also likely that there are fewer people in that community that are able to donate, whether that's food or funds, because all of our budgets are stretched and then food banks themselves purchase food because they want to offer a diversity of healthy options for their clients and so those budgets are stretched as well, not to mention all of the concerns about the volatility and the availability of food and the, the cost of distributing and transporting that food. So it's a tough time to be a food banker um, and I, if you are in a position to support food banks, uh, please contact your local food bank in your community and see what they need currently uh, for
1: support. One of your many beliefs at Food Banks Canada is that you should tackle hunger at its root causes. What does that mean?
2: Yeah, well, we take that role seriously. So food banks are there to respond to today's needs. We're open um, and accessible for people who need food today. But we've always advocated for long-term change so that the number of people who rely on food banks across the country actually comes down. We would like to see fewer people relying on us, not more. So the numbers are heading in the wrong direction. And in Canada, food insecurity really is an issue of poverty and low incomes. And so we advocate as food banks for social policies that will help reduce the number of people who rely on us.
1: One in three Canadians earning less than $50,000 in a year saying that they just don't have enough money to buy food. Again, this is between March 2020 and March 2022. And we're looking at certain communities, 45% of Indigenous households, 43% for Black households. So let's talk about that, that aspect of food insecurity.
2: Exactly. And it's its like we've seen in the pandemic, and maybe some of these issues have been um, given new light during the pandemic, is that, you know, Inflation, rising costs are not affecting all people in this country equally. Certainly, Indigenous communities are seeing... Um harder time putting food on their table, black communities, um, low-income families. It requires us to advocate for those systemic changes that will allow for greater equity. Um, And we're seeing that come out in in food insecurity right now. And what we advocate for is really we need um, affordable housing in this country, real action on affordable housing and income supports, better income supports for people who are low-income.
1: So we had the opportunity in the last federal election to put in a government that would put more effort into finding affordable housing and creating situations where we don't have Canadians going hungry. And we recently had an Ontario election, same deal. How do you feel about government's uh, action, reaction or lack of action?
2: Well, we advocate hard um, and we, you know, we work with all governments, elected governments to advocate on behalf of our clients. What I really am calling on um, everyone to do, though, is I think what it's going to take in this country is everyone opening their eyes. I think a lot of us, you know, prior to working in food banking, I wasn't aware of how serious the issue was. So, so I encourage everyone to learn as much as they can and to make this a priority in elections. I think we can solve food insecurity in this country. I mean, you said it off the top. This is Canada. We shouldn't have kids going to school hungry in this country, and we need movement on social policy. But politicians move when citizens care, and so it's up to all of us to educate ourselves. You can learn more at foodbankscanada.ca and spread the word. Um, share this with your your neighbors and your friends. This this is a, an issue that we can actually solve in this country.
1: I believe that. Kirsten, does it help to put yourself, walk a mile in someone's shoes, walk a kilometer in someone's shoes. So just to sit down one day at a, at a table and say to yourself, in theory, I don't have enough money to feed myself today. I mean, what must that be like? It must be heartbreaking.
2: Oh, it is heartbreaking. And, and you know, it's not just the experience of feeling hungry, which is, you know, none of, that's not a pleasant feeling for anybody, but it's the stress that that causes. It's yeah. the choices you have to make. I mean, you know, how can you possibly make a decision to, um, you know, whether I'm going to buy, um, you know, snowsuit for my kids or put food on the table? And it's, you know, I like to think of it as it's it's also futures, it's possibilities that we're all missing out on. Kids going to school or not at their optimal, they're not learning what they need to learn are we missing out on? You know, we could, that could have been the next prime minister or a scientist doing cancer research. So we have, we owe it to all of us to solve the issue of food insecurity in this country. We're all missing out. Advocate for change as a
1: citizen, as a concerned and caring citizen. What else can we do, Kirsten?
2: So yeah, advocate for change absolutely. And if you are in a position to give, if you haven't been as affected, then um, I do encourage you to contact your local food bank um, and see what types of food they're they're currently in need of. Funds are always great because it, again it allows that food bank to purchase um, the array of, of the diversity of food they need to feed their clients. Most food banks are welcoming back volunteers in a safe way. So if, if you've got some time to donate, um, that's always appreciated. And we're just so grateful for the support of everyone across this country. And just know that you know summer is usually an easier time for food banks, things ease up, they get a bit of a break. This summer, I'm predicting that it will be the toughest on record um, in our 41-year history. So think of food banks you know, during the summer and how you can support.
1: Kirsten Beardsley, CEO, Food Banks Canada, thank you so much for your powerful words here on the feed. Thank you so much for having me. After the break, help wanted.
0: Do you have a story idea for The Feed? Call us at 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer and more of The Feed coming up. This is 1059 The Region.
1: Welcome back to The Feed. I'm Ann Romer. Tourist season is almost upon us, but hotels and restaurants are having a tough time finding staff. Kevin Frankish with that story.
3: 105.9, the region, and it is no secret that following the pandemic, things have changed, uh, especially in the tourism industry uh, when it comes to restaurants, hotels, and motels. Um, there are fewer employees available in the labor pool for whatever reason. In fact, well, for whatever reason, we're going to be talking about the whatever reason right now with Fatima Finnegan, who is the vice president of the Ontario restaurant, hotel and motel association. Hi, Fatima.
4: Good afternoon, Kevin.
3: So why, why is it that we're having such a tough time getting people back to restaurants and banquet halls and hotels?
4: Kevin, thanks for having us. And, We had a labor issue before COVID. We had a shortage of workers in our sector. When COVID hit, COVID was a pandemic that hit us with our health, and we were forced to open and close and partially reopen and then partially reclose and then fully close, and it hit our sector and it hit our workers in a very heavy way where we had workers that needed to survive, to pay the rent, to feed their families. So many labor workers in our sector left to other sectors by means of survival. And now as we're on the back end of COVID, we are suffering with a shortage of over 140,000 workers in our sector to come back as we hit towards the back end of COVID and where many Ontarians are really starting to enjoy the pleasures and the the patios and the hotels and the resorts and the tourist destinations that we have and offer in Ontario.
3: So in other words, you are in need of a population the size of the city of Barrie to to bring things back up to a par.
4: We we are. And wow. we are in desperate need to bring people back to experience Ontario. And with the recent vacation tax credit that is out there, we're finding many more travelers are hitting the road with their rubber tires and really experiencing Ontario for the great establishments that we have. And that tax credit will help. Um, and what we're finding is a lot of the hotels, or restaurants are not able to run at full capacity because of this labor shortage.
3: So, what right now is uh, is your organization doing?
4: Oh, Kevin, what a loaded question! <laughs> we are we are so taking workforce. We are bursting and waiting to start running some action behind our work shortages. Quite frankly, we're tired of talking about our labor shortages and we think it's time to grab the horse by the reins and let's run and put some action behind our words. I think the first thing we will be doing is we have been squashed as an industry of choice for individuals and for the youth to come and choose hospitality. So we will be marketing and highlighting hospitality as a career choice to children as early as in grades six, seven, and eight. We will be putting a big campaign around home and hospitality and helping parents of children, high school uh, guidance counselors, and hospitality instructors learn about careers that are available through hospitality. We will be building some videos showcasing career paths in our industry We need to do a better job of telling our story. So we will be building a mentorship ambassador program to highlight those working in our sector and to share their story and to share their experiences because where you start is not where you finish. Working in hospitality is a journey of experience and cross-training. So through these efforts, And through our OHI, which is our workforce arm, we'll be building student hospitality hubs across Ontario. We will be hitting social media in a way we've never done before. We're going to go where the youth are.
3: I'm going to stop you right there. Do you know offhand your social media handles? Because if you're going to hit the social media, I want people to know about it. Where are they?
4: Well, we're just working on that now. We're going to be ready to launch in September. We're going to be hitting Snapchat, TikTok, and Instagram. But let's do something fun with it. We're going to be doing some live feeds. We're going to be taking people across Ontario for front of the house and back of the house tours through Instagram so that the youth... And the older youth can experience and see front-of-the-house tours. They can see hotels. They can look at special rooms that maybe the queens stayed at or at a certain, you know, rock band stayed at this hotel or ate at this table at this restaurant. We want to share those stories with, with Ontarians, and we want to provide teachers with recorded versions of these live tours so that they can incorporate these into their lesson plans. And beyond that, we're gonna be expanding, Kevin, a program called Be Our Guest, which was founded by Henny Rustom, who's currently the president of Friday Harbor in Innisfil. And he founded the Be Our Guest program with the Toronto District School Board so that high school students could receive a co-op placement And job shadow for a couple of weeks at different hotels in the Toronto area. And then the youth have the opportunity to find out, I like this area of the hotel or I'm really enjoying this function so that it will highlight an area of work that where they think of, you know, this is kind of maybe what I want to do when I grow up. So, so we'll be expanding the PR guest program across Ontario.
3: Now, it's no secret of the fact that I mean if you're going to work in housekeeping or or the like, it's not the highest paying job. And so so there's not a lot to attract there. So what you're saying is these are starting positions and 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 you want to try and move people through these into of course the higher paying positions, which is what people really want.
4: Exactly, but you know, when you learn from the ground up, you really start to learn about the operations of a business, and the transferable skills that you acquire are momentous, really, because when I started at 13 years old cleaning rooms of a hotel, the skills that I learned from being a room attendant have carried me through as an adult yeah. today, and I can beat anyone making a bed or cleaning a toilet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, okay, I will challenge you on that, but that'll be another conversation, Fatima. Um, but but I, And you know me, that when I'm at a gala or something like that, or I'm staying at a hotel, I love to go back of house because it's fascinating. It is fascinating. It, it is like going behind the the curtain at 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 Disney World or at, at Wonderland, where you see what really makes things work. Whether it's in the kitchen, uh, there's some hotels that still have their own laundries. That's fascinating how they can move all those things through there. Uh, so yeah, there is a lot that we don't think about in, in in this. And the other thing too is that you can offer people a chance to say, okay. Come help make our industry more more efficient. Come make our industry better. Do you have any ideas? Things like that. Exactly.
4: And that's what we want to help people understand is that we have jobs available more than what the Food Network or the Home and Garden TV channels showcase or chopped. We have a, a plethora of jobs that entice youth and they don't get to see it. And we want to help parents understand that as well, Kevin, that most parents want their children to be doctors and lawyers, but we want to help parents and give them a toolkit so that they understand that there is a journey and a successful career to be had in hospitality. And it may start with cleaning a room or in the back of the house with stewarding or dishwashing, we can develop our workers in a way that no other sector can. We truly are the best sector to work in.
3: Uh, and what do you want to get through? Uh, what message do you want to get through to your patrons and uh, and those who are, are visiting these restaurants and hotels?
4: We first want to thank the patrons for supporting us through COVID. When we hit an area where we were just doing takeout and delivery, we thank you for supporting your local restaurants your local hotels, and for um, supporting the businesses in your areas. Now more than ever, you're supporting Ontario-wide establishments. So we really want to thank the Ontarians for their support, for their patience as we work through workforce, and we have a lot in store to bring forward in the coming months.
3: All right. What should people be watching for? Maybe how can they get in touch with you?
2: You
4: can certainly get in touch with me directly by email at info at O-R-H-M-A.com.
3: That's info at O-R-H-M-A dot com. Uh, and I've been speaking with uh, Fatima Finnegan, who is uh, the Vice President for the Ontario Restaurant, Hotel, and Motel Association. All right, well, here's to a good summer season, uh, Fatima.
4: Thank you, Kevin. We appreciate you having us on today.
3: All right, thank you.
4: Thank you, Kevin.
1: Next, how employers are preparing for the new federal pay equity
5: legislation. Tina Cortez with the details. Pay equity can be defined as paying women and men equally for doing work of equal value. But what is the Federal Pay Equity Act and what does it mean? To help us understand, Wendy Glazer, Director of Pay Equity at KPMG Law. Welcome to the feed, Wendy. Hi, thank you so
6: much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today.
5: Now we have the definition of pay equity. Is that the same as equal pay for equal work?
6: So that's a great question and one that I get asked all the time. Pay equity means paying women and men the same for doing work of equal value, even if those jobs are substantially different from one another. And that's different from equal pay for equal work which generally addresses situations where a man and a woman are doing the same job. So if it's equal pay for equal work, that is the same job. Whereas pay equity takes it a step further and requires employers to analyze and determine the value of the job being done based on the skills, the efforts, responsibilities, and working conditions of those jobs. And compare them to one another, compare the female jobs and male jobs to one another and see if they have a similar or the same value to the company. And then companies have to make sure that those jobs are being paid equitably. So it's an important distinction between pay equity and pay equality.
5: Can you give us an example of maybe those pay equity roles? Sure.
6: So let's say, for example, you have an administrative assistant job. Administrative assistant roles are traditionally female-dominated. They're historically and traditionally held by women. Let's say this administrative assistant is working for a transportation company that is federally regulated. Pay equity says that the administrative assistant job that's traditionally female could be compared or may be compared to a job such as a truck driver, which is a predominantly male job. But pay equity laws say that those two jobs, if they have the same value to the company, must be paid the same and must be paid equitably. So when we talk about traditionally female jobs, we're looking at administrative assistant positions. Um, office type roles human resources jobs those are jobs that are traditionally held by women and are female dominated uh, and pay equity laws really apply to to those roles
5: okay I got it makes sense So how do employers approach or manage fair compensation?
6: So with respect to pay equity employers have to ensure that their compensation practices are not systemically discriminating against female jobs. And pay equity laws that exist across Canada, so they exist in Ontario, they exist in Quebec, they apply to um, public sector and private sector employers, and now new federal pay equity legislation that's just been introduced. Essentially, these laws hold employers accountable for ensuring their compensation practices are equitable and do not discriminate against um, female jobs. And those are the laws that really um, apply to to organizations across Canada.
5: So what can you tell us about then the pay equity legislation in Ontario and how does that work or does it work hand-in-hand with the new federal Pay Equity Act? So that's a great question.
6: The Ontario Pay Equity Act and the Federal Pay Equity Act are two distinct different laws. So Ontario Pay Equity Act applies to uh, private and public sector employers with 10 or more employees in Ontario. Mm -hmm. They are uh, companies that are provincially regulated. And those laws, that law is different than the Federal Pay Equity Act, which only applies to federally regulated companies, um, regardless of where they are located across Canada. If a company is federally regulated and they have more than 10 employees, they have to comply with the Federal Pay Equity Act. Now, the two laws are similar in nature in that the steps that companies have to carry out and the specific process to be able to say that they have achieved pay equity are very similar. Um, But actually the two laws are different, they're unique, they're distinct, and they apply to uh, different companies.
5: How do companies make sure that they comply? How do employees and employers work together on this?
6: So that's, again, a really good question. And the Federal Pay Equity Act really does require employees and employers to collaborate together, cooperate together, and work together to comply with the pay equity laws. So to give you an example of this, the Federal Pay Equity Act requires companies to create a committee. So in certain instances, for example, if there's a union, if their workforce is unionized, or if they have more than 100 employees, they must create a committee. And that committee is made up of employer representation and employee representation, including union and non-union employees. So they must work together to go through the steps of pay equity pay equity, to go through the process and come to an agreement together um, as to the final analysis and the final wage adjustments that are required. So it really is a collaborative effort.
5: And is there a deadline or a timeline to get this done?
6: Yep, there is. So federally regulated companies have three years from the time when it came into force. So the act came into force at the end of August 2021. And on September 3rd, 2024, that is the deadline for federally regulated employers to post their pay equity plan and start making their wage adjustments. So they have three years which seems like a long time, but in fact, the process can be fairly lengthy and um, potentially complicated. So it's important that they get started right away and start working on their pay equity plan.
5: So if our listeners want more information, where can they find it?
6: So for more information, the listeners can search uh, kpmg.ca and look for pay equity uh, and we'd be happy to provide you with more information.
5: That's terrific. Wendy Glazer, Director of Pay Equity at KPMG Law, thank you for helping us understand this issue and for your time today. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
7: I've lived a life that's full. I traveled. here. And every byway, oh, and more,
3: much more than
1: this, I did
8: it my way.
1: Maurizio Bevilacqua took to the stage at the end of the Mayor's Gala on June the 1st and shocked the audience with this announcement, quote, After much thought and personal reflection, I will not be seeking re-election as Mayor of Vaughan in the upcoming October municipal election. Moritzio Bevilacqua joins us now on the feed. Mr. Mayor, welcome to the show, and I guess I won't be calling you that for too much longer. I've got to ask you, why and why now?
7: Well, there's a a reason to every season. Um, The night that I um, announced was basically my birthday, and I actually spoke about that. I said, you know, that uh, in fact in life uh, there is a reason to every season, and now this uh, is coming to an end, and a new chapter will begin uh, but I've thoroughly enjoyed my 34 years of, of public life. They've been very meaningful, purposeful, and uh, very fulfilling.
1: Let's talk about that. Let's take a walk together back in time. 1988, you were just 28 when you were elected as an MP. Then you became the mayor in 2010 of Vaughn at age 50. Obviously, politics is in your blood, and it it revs up your engine. What is it about politics and political life and the ability to make change, positive change? What is it about that that draws you to it and has kept you at it?
7: Well, uh, after three years after immigrating from from Italy, I I was chosen valedictorian for my grade 8 class at St. Rock Catholic School, and I spoke about the the great country uh, that Canada was. 18 uh, years later... uh, after arriving in Canada, I was sitting in the House of Commons, and it speaks to I think uh, the incredible country they live in, the openness of the country, and uh, the ability to embrace uh, everyone. And when you're blessed like that, you give you give yourself to your country, you give yourself to your city. And uh, at 28, I was elected. Uh, and went on and contributed in various areas like uh, youth policy and uh, and uh, I was chair of the finance for five years. I was minister of state for science research and development uh, as well as uh, minister of state uh, for finance. I was also chair of the finance committee during uh, some very challenging times for, for our country. And uh, we put Canada back on, on the right track uh, back in, in the Mid nineties, uh, so it's been a quite quite a journey, and uh, I, I think it's it's really important to step back and and appreciate those moments and be very present.
1: What was your vision when you first donned the chain of office in 2010 as mayor of Vaughan? And and actually, what was Vaughan like back in 2010? What did it have, and what did it not have?
7: Well, uh, when I was first elected in twenty ten, Bond did not have a hospital, a subway, a university, a downtown core, a nine hundred acre park, or seventy thousand new jobs. It also, you know, had uh, some challenges as it related to its image, uh, which uh, has been largely transformed now. And now we're a respected city. Uh, people are very proud to, you know, belong to this great city. I think that our respect. Goes beyond our our city borders. I think that bond is known uh, certainly in Canada, North America, but we've also we also made an impact internationally in many areas. And these are, are you know great things to remember. And uh, and and it also is valuable lesson for everyone that at the end of the day, through disciplined effort, to real passion for what you do, you can achieve uh, great things. So as I look back uh, from 2010 to today. This is a totally different city, and um, and I look forward to serving for the next five months because uh, there are still things I want to do in the next five months to, to, to lead to the city that has been uh, exceptionally uh, good to
1: me. So you mentioned what Vaughan did not have in 2010, so let's go now to what it does have. So you said no hospital. What, what is the current situation?
7: Well, now we do have a hospital. Uh, we have the Cortellucci-Vaughan Hospital, uh, we have uh, a university, Niagara University. We obviously have a subway and another one coming on Young Street. We have a downtown core that is now projected at, to grow at 267% of the, the initial projection. And uh, we have a 900-acre park, uh, North Maple Regional Park. And uh, we have 70,000 new jobs that we didn't have back in 2010. So when you add all these uh, things up, I think we've uh, accomplished uh, uh, quite a bit and we're on the right track and that to me is very important one of the one of the objectives as mayor was for me to build a, a strong foundation where the future can be built on and i think that's what i leave the city with and you know the litmus test of, of any leader is you gotta ask yourself a very fundamental question are you leaving the city better shape than you found it and my uh my answer is unequivocally yes it's much better than than what I inherited. And obviously, I didn't do it on my own. I had the support of, you know, 335,000 citizens who gave me uh, very strong mandates to lead.
1: I have to ask you, Mr. Mayor, was there an aha moment, a light bulb moment for you in recent weeks, in recent months, where you just turned to yourself, looked in the mirror and said, you know, I have decided that it's time for me to step away from this role. Tell me what you went through, and who did you talk to about this?
7: well I'm a very uh, introspective person i i I trust my uh, myself. Uh, I also operate on a spiritual plane which really centers me. Um, and there are some quiet moments uh, where you find the answer to you to whatever you're thinking about and i don't think you come to it at one particular point i think there's a there's a build up to that point but it is when you uh when you're re- when you arrive right, i should say at uh, at a certain point of great serenity that's uh, that's when you when you make that decision you know i once wrote a poem called life and i'm going to read a little bit of it the, the final few lines it says on this journey will, you will hear the bell the sound will guide your path the louder the sound. The farther you are, the quieter the sound. The closer you are. When silence prevails, the journey becomes a destination. Only then will you experience the way. It's essentially how I make decisions.
1: Did you write that?
7: Yes, I did. Actually. Wow!
1: Wow! You are you are multifaceted, multi talented. I got to ask you this: You lost both parents recently, uh, and yes. and did that did that have a bearing on your decision?
7: I think everything that happens in your journey has a bearing. Uh, uh, you know the uh, you know these are people that taught me the value of hard work, honesty, integrity, and the importance of community building. Um, I do think that you know that's probably subconsciously or uh, probably something that uh, may have triggered the decision. But um, but I, I, you know when I had my final two and a half hour conversation with uh, my late mother, mm-hmm. uh, she said, you know whatever you do you were put on earth to, to really make a difference so whether you stay in politics or you enter other fields i know that you will uh, you will do what is required to bring about positive change to people's lives and she also said that you know you should never forget the less privileged uh, because uh, they need our help and she also said something that was very fundamental to the way i live my life and i thank her for her teachings throughout my life is that in life there are only good people and people that live with pain, and that we have to be very understanding uh, of uh, the human condition, and we have to do our very best uh, and be charitable and be giving, and, uh, and it's very, very much in keeping with what St. Francis also says, that it is in the giving that we receive. So when you put all these uh, lessons of life together, when you put the journey together, when you learn from From each step of the way, uh, then uh, you come up with uh, a a clarity of purpose that drives you to make the right decisions in life. And I'm very much at peace with the decision I made to step away at this point in time. And I look forward to, you know, the next chapter of my life.
1: May I read something that was uh, written by your son, Jean-Paul Bevilacqua? For literally as long as I can remember, and indeed the year of my birth, my dad has been dedicated to public service. I congratulate him on all that he has achieved, and am looking forward to seeing what his next chapter holds. That's beautiful.
7: Yes, Jean-Paul's a very thoughtful, uh, very thoughtful individual who who gives of himself in so many different ways. I mean. This is uh, a young man who, you know, has made hundreds of intervention Kids Help uh, phone line, with uh, Kids Help, you know, kids, you know, that are really in danger of losing their own lives because uh, of challenges they face at home. Uh, he, he sits there as, a, as a, he's a professor of law and a lawyer, uh, but yet throughout his life, whether it was gay rights or, or, um, or helping these kids that are facing, you know, life-threatening challenges, he's there to lend uh, himself uh, and give them a helping hand at a time where, you know, they're, they're thinking of actually leaving uh, the earth. And so yeah. uh, I'm very proud of, of him as I'm proud of my daughter, Victoria, and, uh, and all the people really that, that have touched my, uh, my, my life in different ways.
1: We've gotten to know you very closely over the past many months that we've been chatting once a month here at one oh five nine the region and our listeners are really enjoying getting to understand what makes you tick and what motivates you and all the great work that you do. Are you comfortable sharing with me and sharing with our listeners who are glued to this interview right now what you're going to be doing next. What are you moving on to? The
7: only thing I can say is that, you know, I have clarity of purpose in my life. Uh, public service has always been a big part of it that you know, we're put on earth to improve the human condition. I do also have very, I'm very clear about my values, principles, and beliefs. And I align my actions to my values, principles, and beliefs. And that is how I maintain a balance in my life. And I want to, to put whatever I have in me uh, to, to always be, be there to improve the human condition. And how it manifests itself at this point in time, um, I don't know but but I trust that the future holds uh, uh, holds the answer and, and the key uh, really to, to, to where I'm going to end up and what I'm going to be doing. Having said that, uh, I'm still mayor for five months, yes. and I still have a lot of work to do, and I often say, you know, I, I get elected to govern and that's what I focus on right till the last day, which I think is mid, mid-November, and I and and at that point in time you know I'm going to wish the next mayor to even do better than I did because that is what a leader really expects from the person that follows
1: one door closes, another many doors will open for you, Mayor Bevilacqua. And because you still have many months left uh, as the mayor of Vaughan, I look forward to chatting with you next month, the month of July. We'll talk about what your plans are for the the last remaining time as mayor of Vaughan. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your honesty and your passion for the people and for being so open in this interview. Thank you, Mayor Bevilacqua.
7: Thank you so much. You well. Stay safe.
1: You too. Thanks. When we come back, the perfect gift for your dad.
0: Follow us on Twitter at 1059 The Region. Ann Romer and more of the feed after the break. This is 1059 The Region.
1: Welcome back to The Feed. I'm Ann Romer. Father's Day is next Sunday. Here's Jim Lang with some wacky and wonderful gift ideas.
8: Well, Father's Day is coming up Sunday, June 19th. And, you know, Dad has received a mountain of ties and bad cologne and high karate and maybe wants something different and wild and wonderful. Well, I know someone that's going to hook us up and give us ideas you probably never even thought of. Danny Boom, the head of live shopping at Showcase, joining me now. Danny, how are you? I'm great, Jim. Nice to be here today. How are you? Uh, it's a pleasure. Um, just, you know, Showcase is a, is a great chain of stores in Canada, 109 stores in the country. And what's nice about it is it really does break away from the tr- tried old true Father's Day gifts. And Dad goes, oh, thanks, guys. I love you. But this is something so unique and different. And actually, Dad goes, oh, wait a sec. I do like the idea of a cool, chill neck fan or a, or an electric scooter.
9: Well, I mean, the great thing, Jim, is what we've got at all of our stores across the country is something for every kind of dad, right? So you've got the fun dad, the gardening dad, the fitness dad, the, the gadget dad. There's, there's something for everybody. And I think the biggest thing is I'm a dad myself. And I, the one thing I always dread is the kids buying me socks <laughs> or the, the, the oh, hum, the oh, hum gift, right? Yeah. yeah. So what we wanted to do at Showcase is deliver the, the unique, And definitely uh, be on-trend, and that's why Showcase is the home of the hottest trends. So if you've seen it on social media and you think, my dad would love that, you know where you can find it. You can find it online and in-store when you shop at Showcase.
8: But, Danny, there's a lot of really practical things. I'm looking at the Big Boss X-Hose Pro, 100-foot hose, lightweight and durable. And especially this time of year, every dad doing yard work and tending to the garden could use something like that.
9: I'm telling you, from the so the big box, the big bus, bo- and it literally lives up to his name, right? I mean, look at this: it's a it's a fifty foot, fifty to a hundred foot hose that does not kink. So that's that's what every dad would absolutely love when you're washing the car, uh, filling up the pool, or anything like that. But then, what really comes well with that, it complements it, is we also have the Washer Jet Pro, which is a portable pressure washer. Oh. So you could buy like a two in one for your dad. This. This uh, Father's Day, and get something that's basically going to be able to clean the house. You're going to be able to water the flowers, do all the all the jobs around the house effortlessly because you've got that hose and the water jet. And also, you know what the cool thing is when you're in the garden. And I mean, this is the thing: is dads are gonna are always in the garage, in the yard, <laughs> we're always preparing. So we're the we're the first in, right? Like we're like the first responders at <laughs> the house. Okay. Yes. So when you when you when you're going in, you also need to be thinking: Well, dad's going to be outside, so what's he going to do? Handy dad, right? So you got the cool chill neck fan that'll keep him cool. It's an actually a fan that goes around your neck, so while he's mowing the lawn doing those jobs on these hot sweltering days. He's got a neck fan that will keep him nice and cool, but also he can take that into his office if he's working from home and use it as a fan uh, near his PC. Um, The other cool thing is we've got a a hat called the Arctic Hat, which you soak in water and then it wicks away um, the sweat and, and then basically evens out cold water, or cold, basically a, a cold control over your scalp, so it keeps you nice and cool through the whole day, and it also reflects the sun. There's two, basically right there and then, handy dad has got the neck fan, the Arctic hat, and then the hose and the pressure washer to do all the jobs around the home.
8: Speaking with Danny Boom, the head of life shopping at Showcase, getting ready for Father's Day. And what I like about all of this as a dad myself is, whether it's the Washer Jet Pro or the Host, I can get stuff done. My wife always has a list for me. Just when I think I'm going to sit down and watch some sports or do something cool, here comes a list. Well, then I can get the list done in short order and get back to maybe some me time, which everyone wins. Everyone wins. And the whole point about
9: Father's Day is, is even though it's it's called Father's Day. When Mother's Day comes, it's all about mom giving her a day off. Right? The funny thing about dad is dad never gets a <laughs> day off. No. So, so what we what, still still do, you know still still going to be asked to do something. So I would also think about, well, how can dad get out and about? Now, there's there's the number one trend right now is um, what we call the Gravity Blade. It's an e-scooter. Yes. Now, e-scooters like this is a top-ticket item for, for Father's Day, but if your dad is one that likes to get out and get away from the house, this is going to be that gift to say, hey, Dad, we love you. doesn't matter if you're at the cottage, if you're in the city, or anything like that. This is a, a massive urban e- e-scooter. Um, and the great thing about what we can do at Showcase as well is we also have replaceable parts for e-scooters as well. So you can buy this, and if anything ever goes wrong, you can actually come in line, go online or in store, and actually get the replaceable parts, which is even better.
8: And Danny, what? So, say, and this is also, yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, forgive me.
9: No, but this is also why this is such a cool um, e-scooter as well because it's a ten-inch wheel. Oh. so this thing can go over anything, up anything, down
8: anything. It is super cool. Yeah, I'm really excited because my kids mock me when I try to dance because, like, you know. I'm, Bad white guy eighties dance, but the Sound Logic um, XT Powerhouse BT speaker, it's it's for me because it yes it, you can dance with it, but also I mean music you're on the deck it, you can do a lot of things. So I think it's such a great concept and a great tool.
9: The first thing, Rappy Jim, are you a are you a gumslinger slinger dancer when you get your fingers and you start pointing <laughs> yeah. them up and around the air, or are, <laughs> are you pew, 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 that, <laughs> That's what I mean
8: yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so I'm Yes, I am guilty. <laughs> <laughs>
9: <laughs> With that, you see, the cool thing is it's a Bluetooth. You can take it on the boat to the oh. cottage, anywhere around the house. You, can don't, you don't even have to play music through it. You can even play gaming through it or even your movies. You could have an outside movie night and play the sound through the speaker. There's so many cool things. And also, when you talk about being a fun dad, um, are you a collector, Jim? Uh, yes, I do collect some things, yes. Yeah, well, we, we also have a thing called Funko Pops. Now, all the biggest characters right now that are out there, and this is sort of like um, what I find kind of funny is we're, we're still in a child's as dads, right? So yeah. We all have our superheroes, our gaming heroes or anything like that, and uh, we actually have Funko Pops in-store and online at Showcase. And what you're able to get is all your dad's favorite characters in that brilliant Funko Pop genre. So you can take them out of the box to keep them in the box, but your dad can have a collectible in his office, in his in his man cave, or even even in his shed or his garage, every he gets to escape. But you can still be able to have your favorite characters, which is really thoughtful as well, because at least then you're in tune and you've got that something in common with dad, you know, you might have the same character and you might, this is a unique item that you can only find when you're at showcase.
8: I, I mean, finally to wrap up, I mean, this I think was invented for me and I think it's an absolute must for any dad. Snack, TIV finger chopsticks for mess free snacking, a multitasking snack tool to keep your hands clean.
9: I love it. <laughs> this, is, this is one of my absolute favorite unique <laughs> gifts we've got because how many dads are on there? right? This is, this is the funny thing. When you go onto the, the showcase website and, you, and it's shopashowcase.com. You'll go there and you'll find this item. And remember, it's called the snap active finger chopsticks. Now, what you do is you put these on like a ring. <laughs> and you're, you're kind of cross between Wolverine and chopsticks. Cause what you do is you, you stick them on your hand and then while you're tapping away, you can reach for your snack with these finger chopsticks. And then you'll be able to eat without getting Cheeto puffs on your fingers or anything like that or on your keyboard. I think it's really, really neat and funny.
8: I can see it now. Danny, do you have that report ready? Yes, sir. Mr. Johnson, while you're eating her snacks, and typing away. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
9: Exactly.
7: exactly.
8: Uh, Danny boom is the head of life shopping at showcase. Uh, this is fantastic. Please, everyone, don't think of the old socks and the uh, bad cologne for Father's Day. Go to Showcase, over 100 stores across Canada, one near you, wherever you are in Ontario. And these are amazing, well-thought-out gifts. Danny, thanks so much for doing this, and uh, all the best to you, or, you and yours on Father's Day as well. Thank you then Jim. Oh by the way,
9: yes. just want to let your listeners know one more thing if they do forget to get the father's day a gift, we also do same day delivery through DoorDash. Ooh. So if you don't if you go if you're in the York region, you've got a store in Markham, Richmond Hill, Born and Newmarket, but if you do forget, don't worry, we can bring it to your door
8: with DoorDash. Oh, that's a good tip. Thanks for that Danny. Appreciate it. All the best my friend. Thank you very much. Have a great Father's Day. Bye-bye. You too.
1: If you missed any part of our show, please go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you for listening.